Hi, I'm Marcus, and I support Gen X Grown Up through Patreon. You can too by visiting patreon.com slash genxgrownup. Gen X Grown Up is a YouTube channel website and audio podcast you're listening to right now. All made for and by people who love exploring media, games, tech, and toys of yesterday and today through the eyes of Gen Xers who refuse to grow up. Your dinner cannot just be french fries. Basically, life sucks as a grown up. Welcome back, Gen X Grown Up Podcast listener, to this backtrack edition of the Gen X Grown Up Podcast. The backtrack is the edition between our regular shows where we pick a single topic from our youth and dig in deep on it. I am John. Joining me, as always, is George. Hey, how's it going, guys? And Mo is here. Hey, everybody. We are digging in this episode on our fond memory of oh. video game arcades. Wow. Nice. I know. I'm a little, I'm a little worried. Yeah, there's, there's so much. A, there's a lot to unpack here. <laughs> I'm getting a little emotional already. I know. <laughs> I remember. Wow, there was such a part of us growing up, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's such a part of, of our DNA and part of Gen X growing up. We talk about our experience with video game arcades and the, the games we play that we keep playing today. We'll talk about those games. You can't get away from it. I also want to talk about the intangibles, the, the experience, what it was like, you know, the looks, the feel, the smells, those sort of things, because those were pretty unique to the arcade experience. Oh, for sure. You can travel the universe, race the Grand Prix, or play for the New York Yankees. You can live out your fantasies in the game room at Connecticut Golfland. A cup of tokens can provide you with hours of fun and excitement. Drawn and Paneled is a brand new comic book focused podcast from Gen X Grown Up. Hey, I'm George. And I'm Jason. Every Wednesday, we bring you news, reviews, interviews, insight, and commentary on the comic books we love. And we cover everything from the golden age to the modern age. If you're a comic book fan who enjoys going beyond the page to learn about the history and creators who bring the characters to life, we're for you. You can find Drawn and Paneled wherever you listen to podcasts or on our website at Gen X Grown Up. Talk to you guys soon. In talking about our experience in video game arcades, uh, I mean, there's no better, probably more appropriate place than we all have hundreds of memories, probably. Think back, what is your first memory of a video game arcade? The first time you (gasps) saw one or the first time maybe that really sits with you? Uh, George, how about you? I guess probably it depends on... I don't know. The definition of arcade is obviously very broad. If we're talking about video game arcades, I suppose mm-hmm. it would be going to the mall with my parents and then them giving me $5 and leaving me in the arcade while they did the shopping that they needed to do that day. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. So maybe as the electronic babysitter, I guess, would be my first arcade memory. And I, I remember feeling nervous and scared like I don't know because I was probably I couldn't have been more than eight or nine or something like that, mm-hmm. maybe 10. Yep. I remember who, do, where do I get, you know, how can I play a game? Cause I had like a $5 bill and I could see that the <laughs> machines needed quarters and how do I do that? And mm-hmm. it was like learning how the world works. Yeah. Well, you know, and the guy, the arcade attendant, the game attendant comes up to you and, you know, he's got the little belt with the coins on the oh, side yeah. of it and everything. And so he gave me the, you know, that. he gave me a couple of dollars worth of quarters and then gave me the ones. And I remember distinctly playing with the quarters, you know, playing the different arcade 
arcade games, but losing the ones because I didn't, you know, nine years old, I didn't have a wallet or know to keep stuff safe or in my pocket or anything. And when you start playing the game, your hands are tied up with the joystick, the buttons and the whole arcade experience. So you've got nowhere else to keep your money. So I lost the three <laughs> ones, but oh, no, <laughs> yeah, and I was done playing in like 15 minutes and I had to wait for like an hour before my parents oh, came no. back. So I was just kind of sitting there in the little bench that was in the arcade waiting for them. And they came back. Oh, did you play all your all your money? Well, I played most <laughs> some good of it. or be bored. <laughs> <laughs> Mo, how about you? Mine was wow. Before, you know, the arcades, you know, the only place to play them was like the onesie twosie ones they had like in a pizza shop or something like that in New York. Mm -hmm, and so right. when I first went to my first real like arcade, I still remember it was the one in New York and Penn Station. And walking in, it was like dark. And the thing that got me the most was just the sound mm. of all the machines, like all making their own music and sound. And it kind of made this one unique sound yes. that you'll only hear in arcade. Oh, it's this horrible, beautiful, wonderful cacophony yeah. of With just some 80s music in the background. Oh, oh yes, of course. <laughs> yep. Yep. I mean, it almost like was almost overload for me because it was just so many games and so much to see yeah. games I haven't even seen before because <laughs> the only ones I really saw up until that point were like just the super popular ones like Asteroids and Space Invaders and stuff. Now these weird ones were coming out and I you know, was sitting there trying to figure out what to do and, and like George was saying like what's the etiquette? <laughs> you know? Right, What do you do? What, right? I, I want to play next. What do I do? <laughs> yeah. I think my first memories probably were my dad was a long haul truck driver and over like Christmas time when I was out of school I would sometimes go with him on his drive because I would you know hang out and read comic books books in the in the sleeper and while he was driving and then when we would stop somewhere at truck stops and Space Invaders came out in like 79. So it had just dropped. Right. And arcades weren't really a thing yet. And again, like you said, the onesies and twosies were just around. You'd have a Pong and a Space Invaders and whatever around. And every time we stopped, I'm like, Dad, give me a quarter. Give me a quarter to go play this amazing, new, weird, what the hell is it? Space Invaders box. <laughs> and then like the next year I would go out with him. And then it was 1980, you know, and I'm like, the truck stops had evolved into, oh, yeah, we have a huge arcade. So the first arcades I played at were going all up and down the eastern seaboard stopping every like nice. six hours and walking into a different little weird smoky smelly truck driver sitting next to me playing phoenix kind of arcade <laughs> it didn't turn me off i mean it was, it was still yeah, yeah it did stop you <laughs> it was still pretty amazing and a lot of those truck stops they bought in pretty hard on those i mean they would turn other rooms that used to be a gift shop or something nope hell with it put up some black lights put up a 10 20 machines and they uh it was a huge money maker for them well plus they were using those arcades to cover up for the gambling arcades that they would do for the truck drivers, right? Because <laughs> they would have the little were. video game yep. slots that weren't supposed to pay off anything, but they could then go to the counter and yeah. get paid off somehow. Yeah, yep. oh, for sure. So I know you two guys had a different experience than me from arcades because I grew up in New York and there weren't really the malls and I don't know, wherever, wherever you guys went and played oh, video okay. games. Yeah. Okay, we'll tell you. All right, well, what about you? So- so what, what was the New York scenario? <laughs> so New York was like, it was only a few places. One was like in um, Penn Station, New York, Madison Square Garden, because that's a, you know, obviously big train exchange there. So they had a big okay. arcade there. But most of the other ones were actually stores, like storefronts. Like some, it used to be a whatever store and they converted it to an arcade. Yeah, whatever makes money. Yeah. I mean, some of them even had cover charges. You had to pay to get in and then you had to pay for the games. Huh. What? Yeah. What? Wait a minute. Wait, 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 wait. Have you ever heard of this, George? A cover charge just to walk into the arcade? I mean, we tried to charge cover charges when we built our own arcade in a fort in the woods kind of thing with those little <laughs> my arcade style things. You, but set, you set up the different. Atari? <laughs> yeah. That's where you're making your own sound effects, right? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. 
<laughs> the place I saw them the most was like in malls was the number one, like the, the Barrel of Fun or the, mm-hmm. the World of Quarters. I worked in a Barrel of Fun or, when I was just out of high school, as a matter of fact. Remember those? And it was like the big wooden barrel, like circle that you mm-hmm. walked through to get in. Yep. And <laughs> oh, we had to cool. wear brown vests and brown dress shirts and brown slacks. Did you? Yep. To match the barrels? That was, that was all part of the <laughs> motif, I guess you would say. I don't say. know that I ever could tell the color of the clothing anyone was wearing inside of an arcade because it's always nice and Interesting dark. fact about the Barrel of Fun arcades, uh-huh. if you remember right, arcades at that point started to get a little bit into the redemption side of games, right? You know, you could play the, get the yeah, tickets and you get the little erasers or the pencil. Barrel of Fun actually built their glass cabinets that displayed the things you could get with those tickets to a specific width or depth, I guess you would say, exactly a length of 10 of their tickets on a string. Huh. And that's how oh, we really? counted them. That's how you measured them. That's how we measure them. So you, oh, you know, kid would bring a whole string of tickets up and you put the end of the ticket at the top of the counter, pull it back to yourself, wherever it hit at the end of the counter, you snapped it off and then did the next row and the next row and the next row. Cause it was That's before smart. they did the weighing scales and all that stuff that they yeah. have now, like the David wow. Musters. Yeah. That's intelligent. Now that you say it, thinking back, I remember people measuring on the counter, but mm-hmm. I always figured it went the other way. I figured they figured, oh, well, the counter is exactly, you know, 13 and a half tickets long or whatever. But no, they built the counter to match the ticket. At like, least for Barrel of Fun. I can't speak for huh. the other arcades. No, but, I've yeah. seen other places do it. I'm sure. Yeah. Oh, yep. mind <laughs> blown. <Really smart. laughs> a little bit kind of like what Mo was talking about, about they just popped up anywhere in New York. I remember specifically an arcade in Atlanta, Georgia. When I was a teenager, we went to watch FSU play in the bowl game in Atlanta called the Peach Bowl. I brought a friend with me on the trip and he and I were just kind of out walking around the day before the game. We found like this little sign on the side of a building and it said arcade and had an arrow pointing down. And I was like, what the hell is this? Because I'm just used to mall <laughs> arcade at all. <laughs> yeah. What could go wrong? So we walked down and, and it's- they were never seen again. Like what you see in the movies, you know, like you walk down the two or three steps and there's the wrought iron fence around it and stuff. You walk into this door and smoke <laughs> billows out as you open the door. What the hell? <laughs> and it was you like a password? A knock on the door and they slide a little gate? What's the password? <laughs> it was like a low ceiling, you know, dark, dingy kind of place, but it was just full of arcade machines. And I'll never forget, and this is probably dating when it was, but it was the first time that I saw the video game Cliffhanger, which was one of those laser disc games that I'm sure we'll get a chance to talk oh, about. Yeah, yeah. And I remember just being amazed that somebody had crammed this arcade into this little space. It was probably no more than like 50 feet by 60 feet. They probably had 20, 30 video games, but it was packed. There were like people standing two, three deep to play in this little arcade. Man, that, you know, you're talking about standing two or three deep. That's something that, you know, we go to these free play kind of uh, events and that's something that you'll never recreate. Yeah. There will never be four or five people waiting in line to play sure. Cliffhanger or Miss Pac-Man. It's just With the, the interest is there, the but it's not, <laughs> yeah, it's not so rampant like it was in the early 80s that people are literally lined up. They have alternatives that we didn't have then. Now they can just say, I'm not going to wait for this. I'll just go home and play something that's 10 times better than what I could play here. I Yeah, of course, so, of course. But it's yeah. there was there's something weirdly like tribal and social about having mm-hmm. to <laughs> elbow your way through those crowds. I know. <laughs> Could you use a helping hand on your next electronics project? Quad Hands is the ultimate third hand helping hands vice and hobby station. 
The first thing you'll notice is how heavy a quad hands is. It's made from solid steel and then coated with a baked on powder coat for a durable finish. And the rubber feet are gonna keep it from sliding on your bench and give you a nice sturdy work surface. Those flexible all metal gooseneck arms feature rotating alligator clips to hold your boards and wires firmly in place. And removable silicone covers come pre-installed on those clips to protect those delicate wires and boards. And those arms can be put anywhere you need them. No fumbling around with awkward joints that are difficult to position. The quad hands was designed to help you do your best work it's built to last right here in the USA and backed by a lifetime guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Order yours today from Amazon or quadhands.com. Gen X Grown Up podcast listeners can save 20%. Just use offer code GENXUP20, that's G-E-N-X-U-P-2-0. For your next project, let a quad hands hold what your hands create. If you're going to the arcade, there's one critical thing you got to take with you. I don't care if you forget your wallet or your shoes or your keys or your hat you got to take quarters with you you got to have so, money yeah yep that, that's the currency that allows i know it, it is currency but right that's the thing that lets me actually play this damn game they're almost like your soldiers they're almost like your army you're you know you're deploying yep. them out and you're trying to do have new worlds yeah. <laughs> yeah you're trying to use them wisely i right? love that you analogy know. that's right oh wow yeah it's scrounged for but sometimes before i leave the house you know i'm oh going around God, going, did anybody leave any on the counter are there any quarters hey, under the in the sofa, right? Yes. Couch cushions. I had the cleanest couch cushions on the block because <laughs> I was I always had them up, vacuuming mm -hmm. in there, see if I could find any money. I I never had that issue. We had a grocery store, so I would always just, like I would work just, that day. Uh, right I would like sweep drawer. up the floor and <laughs> clean the beer cooler or something, and then I would just go take a roll of quarters out of the cash drawer, and that was my pay for the day. So you little criminal. Jeez. No, I worked for it. I didn't steal it. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, no, I met, I met your dad. He made you work all day for 10 bucks. Oh, yeah. No, that was, <laughs> he was the criminal. That was I a bonus. That wasn't even paid. I give you this nice roll of quarters. <laughs> ooh, I didn't get paid, so the quarters were like, that was a bonus. So I was like, ooh, nice. Oh. I can go to the arcade. <laughs> and I remember uh, my dad had a tendency of like having it change and stick it like in a jar. And oh, yeah, yeah. I guarantee you that there were never any quarters in there. Why are there no quarters in this jar? <laughs> He's like, it's only pennies, nickels, and dimes. What the hell? <laughs> yes. Yesterday it was at this line. Now it's yeah, like two inches exactly. lower. <laughs> yeah, and so, but yeah, I mean, every quarter was like precious. Mm -hmm. And is, is there any better feeling than when you actually had like a five dollar bill oh. and you put that five dollar bill in the change <laughs> machine? <laughs> and, and, and the and, weight oh, in man. your pockets of all those quarters. It looks like I have a softball in my pocket. I mean, I have so many quarters. Are you happy to see me? Or are those quarters? Different change machines did it in different ways. Like some of them would spit out the quarters individually, and then others just did this giant like quarter drop yeah i know clunk yep i kind of like that one better than the ones that made you wait <laughs> for it for like an extra 10 seconds as they spit out five dollars worth of quarters the ones that just opened up the vacuum seal of quarter wonderfulness <laughs> that like was my favorite kind of change right? machine. i know it is i won <laughs> if there were two of those machines next to each other one that did them slowly and one that just did the whole drop and there was a line at the one that did the whole drop i would wait at that one <laughs> rather than go to the one that did them slowly because I was like nope when I you put the five dollar bill in everybody nearby is like oh he has come to play today that's yes. right big time player <laughs> that's a serious ser serious player coming through <laughs> it wasn't always quarters though once they got into the uh, like dedicated arcades oh, sometimes yep. you had to turn quarters into tokens I hated yeah. tokens hated tokens, tokens. Were, they were kind of cool though I mean I, I liked them that they were like my own money 
I don't know. There's something special and unique about it. So it was like, okay, these only work in this place that I know about. Mm-hmm. Like my parents don't understand it. My friends who weren't going to arcades at that point, cause it was still kind of new. They didn't really, they weren't in on the secret of this new currency. So I kind of like tokens. See, I didn't like them, especially when you went to like, you're going someplace and it was like a place, you know, you knew you were never going back to. Right. But they did tokens. True. Like so you had to spend every single tokens. token. Yeah. yeah, and you had to use every single token. You never, I had never had any trouble spending all my tokens. It was not a problem. <laughs> <that I ever. laughs> well, it's, it's, but the thing is that some places did like a game would always the minimum would be two tokens for some reason, right? And some games. Oh, when four, they started so. increasing prices over the quarter, yeah. yeah, yeah. And so then you wind up with a token, which all you can play is that stupid game that like, oh, drop your token in here, and if it pushes off tokens, you win. You know that kind of stupid right. thing. So. <laughs> But now sometimes you get more for your money for tokens, though, because true. since sometimes they weren't quarters, you get the bonus, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. so like a dollar gets you four, mm-hmm. but five will get you 24, 25 or something right. like that. Yeah. Uh, I had a love-hate relationship a little bit, uh, kind of some from what you said, George, and some from what you said, Mo. But I remember often my grandmother would be the one that would take me to the mall. And her opinion, I'm going to channel my grandmother, her opinion of video games were, <laughs> Jonathan, you may as well just set a dollar bill on fire. <laughs> That's the devil. <laughs> just, you may as well just set the dollar on fire was her opinion of playing video games. But the great thing about turning it into tokens was, hey, it's spent. I've got to use them now. They're tokens. Yeah, you have no choice. Right? It's not like I have a couple quarters left over. They're not quarters anymore. Hey, these ha- I have to play games with these. The only value they have is to play games. Exactly. They're not, and it says right on them, non-transferable, non-refundable, <laughs> not valid legal tender. What about the game that you would play with tokens? Like if you had more than one place where you lived that did tokens, they each did their own, right? Like yeah, they had their own faces on them and everything. Unfortunately. But what about yes. trying to get the ones that had the same shape and weight and spending them in the other place? Place. Did you guys ever do that? Where like you no, take the putt putt golf token and take it to Chuck E. Cheese and see if it would work in the Chuck E. Cheese <laughs> and see machine? If it fits. Yeah, we used to do that all the time and we would figure out whose tokens would work where. We even had systems because, like, okay, this place gives you an extra dollar fifty for five dollars worth of tokens, but this place only gives you an extra dollar, so we'll buy them at the dollar fifty place, but they don't have good a games, so we'll take them to the dollar <laughs> place and spend them over there. Like we had these whole systems in place. Wow. I know as a kid I always had grand dreams that I would find out where they bought their tokens and just buy them in bulk, right. but I that, that never right. panned out. And of course they'd be more than a quarter apiece. So. That's the problem, yeah, of course. <laughs> It'd be the biggest heist ever. <laughs> 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 just the arcades like how do we get so many tokens We're, we have nowhere to store them how do we, <laughs> we didn't buy four thousand more tokens did we meanwhile you spent like eight thousand dollars to get the four thousand tokens because yeah. of shipping and everything else maybe worth it you don't know oh in a way it kind of taught me how valuable money is i mean it's kind of sad taught you some budgeting yeah three dollars say you went to our arcade, you say, okay, we're going to be here for two hours or three hours. Right. I got to figure out how to spend this $3 yep. and make yep. it last that long. Which games can I play <laughs> longest that I can get that done with? Mm-hmm. Right. Can you guys remember what is the first game that you got? Um, addicted is a strong word, but it might fit here. You absolutely were compelled, obsessed with a game. You had to keep going back and back. I just want to know what you mean by was, because I'm still addicted to what? a couple of them. <laughs> what, what was the first one that you were addicted to? The first one that kept drawing you in over and over it was the one oh, you showed up for. Man, that's wow. tough. I mean, we probably all started with the very first one that we remember was probably Space Invaders, I'm guessing, because Pong, I, yeah. I'm not going to 
say was addicting. Yeah. It was fun. It was new yep. and it was interesting, yeah. but it wasn't addicting. Space Invaders probably for all of us. So if we put Space Invaders out of the way because that's the common thread, I would have to say Galaga for me. Yeah. Okay. Not surprising. It's yeah. Yeah, no big surprise, right? <laughs> How about you, Mo? For me, it was Asteroids. Oh, yeah. Asteroids. Okay. Good I played yeah. Asteroids heavy duty. And then a close second to that one would be the tank one, the vector graphics tank one. Oh, Battlezone. Battlezone. No, that's the one. Battlezone. We used to play Battlezone a lot too. What about you, John? Yeah, I told you about my experience, you know, with my dad going places. And you just played whatever you played because it's not like you could go and to a place. It was wherever you ended up. They had X number of games. But I can still, you know, very briefly can remember that we had this arcade that was put up in my hometown in a like a warehouse. Uh, and there's just concrete floors. They put a bunch of games in there. And uh, I hadn't been there yet. And a guy said, you got to come because they got this new game. It's called Donkey Kong. And I'm like, oh, well, what is it? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'd never seen it. That was on a new level for me. It had a character that had personality. There was a story going on in it. And the first time I saw they had four machines. They had four Donkey Kongs in there. Oh, wow. And you had to wait your turn to get on one. From the first time I played that one, you know, again, not surprising, you know, George Galley today is still probably your favorite one. And it's probably the first one that grabbed me. And when I went back to the arcade, it was the one that I've got to go do that one. And right. if anybody had one, I would go there for that reason. I don't know why it grabbed me so much. It was just, it, it was a step no, above a really. Than, yeah, it was. Game. It still is. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and two Galligan, your Donkey Kong, those kind of the early first wave games. And they were always just a quarter, but we didn't always get off quite that easy. Sometimes oh, they no. started soaking us. <laughs> yeah. When they start becoming like more of a business, like, they realized there was a lot of money to be made in this. Like the newest games are always more expensive. Brand new game come out and it'd be 50 cents or sometimes a dollar, which is to me is ridiculous. Well, I, I think it wasn't so much that they knew or didn't know it was a business. For me, it was when they started to put more production into the game. Because if you think about the first games, they were they were trying to get over hurdles when they built those games. Like, how can we put all of this on this chip and on this board with these sounds? That was the first wave of games. They were kind of learning how to build those games, right? You know, Pong, Space Invader, then Asteroids, Donkey Kong, all those things. But then the next wave of games that came out after that, they had already learned a lot of their engineering lessons and they were now more into, okay, now we know what we can do and how we can push that further. Let's develop these games, have stories. Let's bring in other media because I'm pretty sure the first super expensive game that most of us are going to talk about is Dragon's Lair. Oh, that mm-hmm. was ridiculously expensive. Yeah. yeah. And I bet you a big part of that was not only the, the production quality, but also those machines were more expensive for the arcades to mm-hmm. own or rent. Yep. Mm. So they're like, well, this Laserdisc game in here, you know, and it's, uh, plus it looks better, so you can charge a premium, charge a double for it. It definitely was a crowd, it definitely grabbed attention, that's for sure. And yeah. it was, you're right. It drew a crowd, so that was the thing that the arcade loved the most, because any arcade game that brings more people into the arcade they're not all going to be able to play it but then they would filter out and play the other games which is a benefit yeah. to the arcade itself i still remember like when the uh the first sit down games came out yeah oh yeah yeah star wars like star wars that's exactly what yep. i was thinking yep. of yep. and i remember this arcade where they had a sit down and the regular stand-up version mm-hmm. the stand-up version was still a quarter the sit down was 50 cents yeah yep. well again it's more expensive so they're trying but to I'm pay like, for the cost of sitting yeah. that much of a luxury <laughs> <laughs> no it's, it's the equipment costs more the equipment costs them extra so they want to get the 
well, money and out plus, of it. The yeah. sit down version kind of enveloped you into the game, whereas the stand up, you were just in front of it. Yeah. And it was, you know, just your visual with the eyes. But the sit down, that box would kind of cover around you a little bit. It was almost like you were in a different world inside the arcade for just that moment of playing that game. Yeah, it definitely had like the stereo speakers and all that stuff mm-hmm. going on, too. So yeah. that definitely made it made it a nice One of the nice coolest experience. ones I ever did a sit down was a sit down Sinistar. Oh, oh wow. I never saw that. Wow. Me oh, either. yeah. And that thing, I hunger. You know, yeah. it's like, man, that's loud. <laughs> and then you felt the, you know, because that thing has already got a lot of bass and kick to it. And they put the speakers around you. It was worth the 50 cents once or twice, at least. You know, one of those yeah. expensive games that I felt was one of the more unusual ones. So you played your video game. What'd you always have? You had a joystick and some buttons or you had a steering wheel type apparatus and some pedals, something along those lines, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. But I remember the very first game I played in the arcades that didn't have any of that stuff. The entire thing was played with a keyboard. Huh? Yep. Oh, that was another one of those laser disc games. Wasn't <laughs> it, it was a laser disc game. It was called Thayer's Quest. Yes, I remember mm. that. Yep. Yeah, I don't yep. remember. I couldn't that remember one. the name. Yeah. Yeah. It was really cool. Like it you asked would, you your name, didn't it? You typed in your name. You, it would ask you your name and then it would try to pronounce it back. And my name, it would always go, Hello, George. How are you doing, George? <laughs> and I was like, what? It's not even close, but it was still because cool. you sounded too much like Owen Wilson. Yeah, right. <laughs> Before Owen Wilson was Owen Wilson. Yeah. But I love that game just because they created that different way of playing just by changing out the joystick for the keyboard. To this day, I don't remember what the keyboard added. I mean, it had spells buttons on there where you could cast spells and everything, but you could have done all of that with buttons and an sure, arcade stick. Yeah. You didn't need the keyboard. There's another novelty. Like, you know, when they added but the for games like Tempest or the trackball for your centipede. Right. You know, mm-hmm. It's a different way to interact with the computer and people will pay to try that out, I think. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. This token can unlock a fantasy you'll never forget. With this token, you can live a dream and be what you want to be in the game room at Connecticut Golfland. Hey, Gen Xers. My name is Chris. I'm John. I'm Justin. And we are Another Man's Nostalgia Podcast. Every week, we revisit one movie, TV show, or game from the 90s or 2000s that one of us loved and the others didn't really care for to find out if it's actually good or if nostalgia has clouded our judgment. You can find us wherever you listen to Gen X Grown Up. If you want to relive your childhood, don't worry, we will. This week, we watched a uh, baseball trilogy, which turned out pretty good, I thought. Yeah, we did League of Their Own. We did uh, Sandlot. Sandlot. I was not happy with those results. You want to hear some controversial thoughts on Sandlot? Y'all should check it out. <laughs> some very controversial thought. Anyway, guys, so we'll see you there every Tuesday. Thank you uh, for checking us out. Peace. So let's talk about when a new game would first oh, come out, right? Oh so Lord. we had our favorites. There's this huge trade-off. It was always for me mentally in my head. Mo, you talked about budgeting. Yeah. I know that I can go play game number one because I'm good at it and my token will last me for seven or eight, ten minutes. Well, there's this new game now. How do you determine when a new game comes out? How do you approach it? How do you budget? How, how would you work that into your arcade experience? Oh, boy. Really depended. If it was a game that was based on a previous game, like say Ms. Pac-Man, when that came out. No brainer. Easy. Yeah, it's, it's easy transition. Or Galaga for Galaxian, right? Mm-hmm. There's another one right. that you were looking at the new stuff that came out on it. But some games came out were just totally different than anything else. I think my ritual was like, I would start with a game I knew, play that. Then I would probably experiment with the other game for like one or two tries. <laughs> and yeah, then I'd have to yeah. go back because usually I died right, right away and I like... <laughs> 
have to come <laughs> back and try something different. The other thing is that I go arcade and I had fun watching people play, which mm-hmm. sounds weird. I don't understand the people on watching Twitch and stuff today. I really don't get it. Yep. But standing there watching someone play some of these games, I mean, I was more watching trying to figure out how to play. It's funny that you mentioned that. That was my number one strategy when a new game came out is I would stand yeah, and watch somebody else. Thing. Yeah, same thing for you. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you sit there and you'd watch somebody play. I would watch to also see how many people attempted to play the game, like if it had a line or if people were cycling in and out of the game quickly. Once you went to a certain arcade, if you went there multiple times, which I did at the mall, you would get to know who the good players were. And if you watch them and they would bail out of a game really quickly, then, you know, okay, I'll wait until later on, you know, maybe they'll reduce the buy-in on the game. It won't be 50 cents. Maybe it'll be a quarter in a year. But if I saw a really good player playing it and keep putting quarters into it and sticking with it and playing it for long periods of time, then I'd wait until they were done. And I would try to play that game at that point. Profit from their mistakes. That's what I would do. Yeah. How about all the games also <laughs> that had the, uh, do you want to continue? Oh, nah, rip off. Seven, six, quarter seven, suck. Five. That's such a sucker bet. <laughs> yeah, Two, quarter suck. I used to think I wanted to do that. Those quarter suck games, the biggest trick they thought they were pulling on you is they take a 50 cent game but continue is just, just a quarter that's right yeah and they're like what a bargain but the problem is by the time you're at the point where you're dying that much that quarter is only going to buy you like 45 seconds yeah, where right. if i would go back and start <laughs> over i would get the whole extra five or six minutes and maybe figure something out yeah. yeah exactly and get a little better and you know get progress get more practice something that maybe i think game players today that just play home consoles they have all the choices that you mentioned george is arcade games were not meant to give you value for your quarter. They were meant to get you in, have some quick fun, kill you, get out, put another quarter yeah, in. It's all about their throughput, business right? was to defeat you as quickly as possible. With, but not too fast, right? Because then no one will play the game. It, it, it's a delicate balance, right? In yeah. fact, now that we have main emulation, you can go and look at many, many, many of these games that have dip switches where you can set the difficulty. Yep. And so an owner of the machine can go in and go, you know, I'm not making much money on this machine. Let me notch the difficulty up one, which means die faster, extra quarter sooner. Arcade owners do not want to see how how long you can last on a quarter. <laughs> they want to see how right. fast they can get to put another quarter in. Not very many of them. Remember when we played uh, Rampage? Yes, we did the video on it. And the thing is that we were talking about how like, you know, like we just kept doing continue, continue, continue because it was free. Right. It's just it's pushing a button. Like, you know, if this was a regular arcade, we would have been done with this game a long time ago. Yeah, sure. <laughs> it actually, it lost some of its luster over time because it got more and more samey. It was like, oh, it's the same thing again. It's the same thing again. Yeah. It wasn't an accomplishment of how far could I go since it was free because that's not how those games were built. There was not a big reward for getting that far. There's another big difference between those arcade games and the games that people play now. There weren't really tutorials. Oh, no. no. So now no, no, you no. start playing Only a the console game at stuff, home. Right? There's a tutorial. Here's how you jump. Here's how you run. Here's how you shoot. Mm-hmm. And they yeah. ease you into it. <laughs> you know, maybe that little attract screen would show the ship shooting the thing as it came down and would tell you how many points it was worth. But that was about it. Yeah. And I think yeah. that the developing of the skill set was part of, you know, the money experience. You don't have that now with those because now they're like, they've already spent all the money they're going to spend on this game unless it's got some kind of microtransactions or something that's popular now. Yeah. We have have to make this game approachable and playable for them or they won't buy version two, three, four right, yeah. that we're going to come yep. out with in the next years. But with arcades, they had to keep bringing you back. Yeah. Just a taste. Get a little bit, like a little further. And they're like slot machines, right? I mean, they were kind of mm-hmm. like, they were kind of addictive. Like you wanted to keep playing them, especially like, you know, the really good games are the ones that, like the Donkey Kong is a good example or Galaga, your two favorites.
favorites because they had different levels. And as you progress better and better, you saw different things, right? Sure. And things yeah, got yeah, faster was, and things changed. Like, oh, have you seen like the fourth level in Donkey Kong Jr.? It's, yeah. it's weird. It's all these water droplets and sparks. I'm like, what? That doesn't make any sense. I can't wait to see that, you know? Right. I remember like with Donkey Kong was at the Mud Factory. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah a lot yeah, of people yeah. had never seen that. You had to go like quite a few levels to get to it. You yes, because, you do. Oh, yeah. you haven't seen the Mud Factory yet? You're like, oh, okay, I'm a loser. <laughs> yep. Never <laughs> something new to see. Yeah, for Galaga, it was always me getting people to the 10th stage where they wouldn't shoot as they filled in their screen and their, you know, they filled up the top patterns, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. getting to the 10th screen where they stopped shooting as they came down. People were like, whoa, they've stopped shooting. How did you get them to do yeah. that? I'm like, it's just yeah. this level. You have to get to it. Just for a minute. <laughs> Stay tuned. The bullets are coming. <laughs> All right, guys. So here's a general arcade question for you. Was there an arcade game out there that you were just terrible at, but you really wished you were good at oh. it and you tried. <laughs> yeah, I can answer that question. Pretty much every game in the arcade except for Galaga would fit into that category. <laughs> Maybe Dragon's Lair might sneak onto the other side a little bit. Honestly, I think the game that I wanted to play the most but was never good at and couldn't get past the first like couple of screens was that game that I mentioned in the basement arcade in Atlanta, Cliffhanger. Cliffhanger. I yeah. think a large mm. part of that was because it was hard to find that game in arcades. It wasn't so a really prominent practice. game. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like I could download it like you could now or anything. So I never got good at that game. Even to this day, I've picked it up and tried it a couple of times in emulation. I'm still not good at that game. <laughs> I really want to finish that game just to see what happens in that storyline because, you know, it looks interesting to me. Mm. I had two, I guess. I mean, one of them for different reasons. Battle Zone was one that I always thought okay. was really, really cool because you had the little scope. Yeah. And I even had the strategy books that you could buy in the bookstore about how to beat arcade games. Oh, yeah. And they told you about <laughs> oh, yeah. like, you know, never just turn you turn with one always, stick, not two sticks. Right. And I had no sense of like where I was in space. I couldn't figure out where the UFO was. I would just get shot three times in a row. And I loved looking at it. I loved playing it, but I sucked at it. <laughs> and the other one was was a karate game that I don't know if you remember. It's not terribly popular. It was called Yi R Kung Fu. Yi R Kung Fu. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. It was like an early Mortal Kombat y kind of thing because you didn't have so much moves as you had tons of different ways you can fight. You have a high punch and a low punch and a high kick and a low kick and a back kick. But it was all done with, I think, just two buttons and a stick. There were combinations of stick positions. And the times that you do good at it, you feel like just a wizard. And the rest of the time, you just feel terrible because when you do get a little bit of skill at it, you feel amazing. And there are tons of, like you were saying before, Mo, there's lots of stuff to see. There's so many different people to fight mm. if you progress through the game. And I never got past the first couple of them. It was like punch out, right? I mean, you get past that yeah. first glass Joe <laughs> Very guy, much. Yeah. You know, it's much, much harder. Or whatever it is. Yeah. yeah. And after the first guy, you were like, okay, I got this game. Oh, you do? <laughs> no, you don't. Yeah. <laughs> Here's a karate chop to the throat. Sit down. <laughs> Mo, how about you? Game you were never good at. So yeah, mine, oh, I definitely have one in mind, was Defender. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> one, it was just crazy to watch somebody else yeah, play. It was too frenetic for me. I thought I was going to have yeah. an epilepsy fit with that and game. And the other thing that killed me was that my one of my brothers was freaking awesome at it. Oh, yeah. Oh. And that just grated me. Every time I saw him play it... I'm sitting there and I like it was it was like Olympic caliber and Bush League. I mean, that's the difference. Right. <laughs> Good defender players were like Rain Man. Like it's just like yeah, it, it was savant. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like, how can you? You got seven buttons. I'm sitting there, I'm 
shooting the people accidentally while they're right. still on the ground. <laughs> you know? And meanwhile, he's like, oh, yeah, I shot this one, picked him up before he hit the ground and dropped him off here and did this. I'm like, how the hell do you do that? Yeah, and it was yeah. like, it seems like it would lend itself to a joystick button combination, but it was all buttons, if I remember right. Yeah, it had an up and down only joystick, just a two way. Did it have an up and down? And okay, even yeah. thrust was a button. Thrust, yep. fire, hyperspace, shield. I don't know what all it There had. was a it's reverse, just, right? Either. To switch direction. A reverse button. That's, yep. You couldn't yeah. just turn the joystick the other way. You had to hit a reverse button. Yeah. yeah. People who play that game, I just like admire them, to be honest. I'm like, how do you do that? <laughs> that was it's like mine. none of the skills you develop in any other video game carries over to Defender. It's kind of its no. own thing. Yeah. No. And then they made a sequel to it that was even worse. Stargate. I mean, yeah. Stargate, Stargate yeah. which was awful. Not the movie. <laughs> it was the same thing, but harder. <laughs> totally <Yeah>. different. <laughs> in the two-dimensional world of video dots and dashes, flat blips and formless blobs, one video arcade game soars a dimension above the rest. Saxon! Experience the controls you climb and dive. Sorry to interrupt, Gen Xers, but this show will be done before you know it. And then what are you gonna do? You're gonna need something to fill your ear holes with. And we're here to be that uh, ear hole filling thing. We're Blockbuster Nostalgia. We're a movie podcast that's counting down the biggest hit films of the 1980s based on how much money they made. Because that'll show those dirty 80s commies. Each week we have a few drinks. Or a lot. And talk about a different classic film. Which inevitably leads us to rant about things like... Where Luke Skywalker kept his sex robots. What if Mel Gibson in Lethal Weapon was in fact a Velociraptor? Who would win in a fight between Rocky Balboa or a Gundam? How the Winter Olympics should definitely feature rabbit wolves on skis. We even cast Vin Diesel one time as a talking car in a Smoking a Bandit style rom-com. And we pitch Paul Blart Part 3, the one where he's a Thundercat. We've been at it for two years now, so we have plenty of vulgar, definitely not for kids, fun for you to enjoy. From Die Hard and Dirty Dancing to Ferris Bueller and Star Wars, we've got your favorite 80s movies covered. Check us out on Facebook, iTunes, or wherever you get your podcasts. We focused a lot on the games themselves. Turn all the games off for a second or just, you know, mute them in your mind. (laughs) Think about the environment the games sat in and just how unique that was. And probably something we'll never get back in that kind of world. Like it was kind of seedy, but it was for kids. Always dark. Yep. Unreasonably dark. The good ones at least were. What the hell was on the floor that was sticking to my shoes? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like lanes that were made from the different machines being set up and how they set them up. Yeah, like the traffic pattern. Like you drop a quarter on that carpet be careful picking it up. I mean, that was yeah, <laughs> the like the smoke that would hang in the air from the cigarettes that the teenagers would still or yeah, steal yeah. or you know find somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was your own private world that adults weren't allowed in. Yeah, if they came in, um, they had to have felt as alien as like I were twelve year old and walked into a bar. Yeah, sure, <laughs> for sure. They're drinking. I don't know what drinking's about. They're cussing. I don't know what cussing's about. You know, we were jumping stuff and taking frogs across the street. What the hell is this? They had to be as mesmerizingly baffled. <laughs> as we were. Oh, my parents wouldn't even walk into the arcade. They would just stand at the door and call out my name until I showed up. <laughs> <laughs> so you could hide around back by the, the, the games. Right. <laughs> you know, something that was always unique about arcades that I've not seen any place else. It is the only place I've ever been to that you could be competitive and supportive at the same time with the same person, right? Because we're playing mm-hmm. against somebody, you're competitive, right? You're trying to get the higher score. As soon as you're out of the game, you're rooting for the other person to keep going. <laughs> because you do want to see how far somebody can get. Right. Sure. So you're not rooting for them now. Like, oh, you don't really want them to beat you. But if they did beat you, yeah, good point. It's one of those places <laughs> that even strangers would be like sometimes unwarranted, but offering you hints. Oh, yeah. Yo, dude, get to the left corner quick. Yo, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. 
yeah. but it was right. like a helpful environment. Like, but you know, playing against well, somebody for when yeah, you get that like annoying person who would give you hints by putting their hand across the screen. Oh, I know. <laughs> Over here, step Over away, here. dude. Yeah, really. Stop helping. And the sound for me was something I just will take me back every time I hear it. Mm-hmm. It's the '80s music, the arcade sound. It's, um, just, it's just the mix of everything together yeah. simultaneously in that audio component. Like it's almost hard to pick out individual games, but often you'll hear little hints of like, oh, I know that's this guy falling right. or that's the sound of this car starting or it's all those things and they're all blending together into a sound that just doesn't exist anymore. I know, John, you love Wreck-It Ralph and that has the whole arcade, you know, that where the movie takes place and everything. That's but the to environment me, right there. That yeah. wasn't the environment that I remember from arcades. That was very Disney washed and everything. It was very sterilized. Yeah. yeah. The arcade I remember in movies has to be Flynn's Arcade out of Tron. Yeah, right? I was just yep. thinking about that. <laughs> that was the arcade that I knew down in the mall or down the street. That was the place. When they did the sequel and he, you know, when he goes in there, and he turns the power yeah, on, turns it back and on, all the machines yeah. turn on. As soon as I heard that, I went back. I mean, I was in the arcade again. Not just the arcade machines, but the jukebox turned on too. Oh yeah, the eighties music in started the background playing eighties music. Yeah, because oh, yeah, you sure. can have all the arcade machines, but without that jukebox, it's not an arcade. And the yeah. home of neon distance, you know, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. all of it together. Man, oh, oh, I'm getting, I'm getting choked up. It's too much. <laughs> to, to wind up this discussion of arcades that we could have for several more hours. Let's go around the table, if you can recall, your fondest arcade memory. The thing that when you think of arcades, your brain kind of goes straight back to, and it's kind of like the, it is arcades to you. Wow. I have one. It's definitely one that I keep going back to. It's like, to tell you how specific it was, it was February 1st, 1983. Wow. So how do I know that? Because one, it was my birthday. Okay. Okay. You know, I have three older brothers. Two of them were in the army. They were away. So my brother, David, I had an after school job and he picked me up after school occasionally and we'd go do something. It was my birthday. And the thing was, it was like, I was 16, 15, 16 about that time. At some point, your parents stopped making such a big deal about your birthday. Right. Yeah, a little bit. And so I was kind of at that middle area, kind of. Okay. My brother shows up. He's like, hey, how's it doing? I'm like, hey, you know, I'll be off work in a few minutes. He's like, yep. Okay. I got your birthday present now. And I was like, one, I got, you know, he gave me a present. So I was like, holy shit. He's like, what is it? And of course, this is New York winter. So he had a big overcoat on. He says, oh, it's in my pocket. And so I reached in his overcoat pocket and it was just packed with quarters. Uh. <laughs> I mean, it was literally, it was like, it was, it had to be $30 in quarters. Wow. And he's like, yeah, he says, and we're going to the arcade and we're not leaving till we spend every single one. Nice. <laughs> wow. That's awesome. And we went to the arcade. I mean, I played all the machines I never could afford to play. I played all the <laughs> yep. And more to fact was not just me playing, it was playing with my brother and he, we were there and we were masters of Qbert. and we closed the place down and it was a school night and I stayed out till like God knows how late. <laughs> I mean, on top of all that, it is one of these memories to this day I will never, ever forget in involved arcades. Big wad of quarters stuffed in a pocket. That's cool. <laughs> yep. How about you, George? Mine's probably, it might not be safe for the podcast. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's not far off from that. It's the first makeout session, really. I remember I was in the new mall that had just been built here in town, and they had an arcade that was up on the second floor because it was the first two-floor mall that we had in this town. I was in there playing. My mother dropped me off. I just started high school, so I was a freshman, so this would have been 85. I'm in there, and I'm playing games. Anyway, this girl and her friends, they came up, 
and they were watching me play whatever I was playing. And I was doing pretty well. And she just kept like, she would put her hand in the back of my head and run her fingers through my hair and everything. Oh, look how cute he is. And I think she was like a year or two older and it was probably some kind of dare that they did with her. Like <laughs> we dare you to go mess with that nerd kid playing the video game. But she kept doing that. And it was the first time I'd had anything like that happen where a girl came up to me. I got them playing the video game and she said, come over here. And we went over to the corner, like between two games where, you know, it was like that weird awkward angle where you couldn't put an arcade cabinet because the other two were in the way she snuck us into that corner and that was the makeout corner in the arcade and we just made out for like five <laughs> minutes or something it wasn't like a long time or anything and then she just left i never saw her again don't know what happened to her or anything never wow. didn't even know her name dare or not george still counts <laughs> <laughs> i think mine is the first time after i was able to drive by myself i guess i was 16 or something and i had my own second hand hand-me-down vehicle and for whatever reason it was the first time it occurred to me that i could go to the arcade just me i could go myself and i went and it was kind of weird and surreal to you know walk in by myself nobody was i wasn't there with somebody and i went in and that was fun that was awesome the real thing that i still remember often almost every time i leave an arcade i, I kind of flash back to this is when i walked out of it i realized really? this is probably the first time i've ever voluntarily walked out of an arcade <laughs> oh yeah because you didn't have your every other time, time somebody's oh, dragging me out i'm not done i want to play some more and i actually had my fill that day i had money left in my pocket because i had to get gas I had to get food whatever but <laughs> yeah. in my mind i had actually completely satiated my desire to play arcade games for that day and i voluntarily walked out and i'm like i got a handle on this now i, I have control of my arcade addiction now so <laughs> i remember I that no or you were just broke one or the <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't quite. I wasn't quite. Welcome to Little Wax Arcade, where we have fun. Friends and Fix It Fittings Jr. featuring Wreck-It Ralph. It's all new, fully 8-bit, state-of-the-art, and the hottest arcade game in the world. If anything in this episode has piqued your interest, we've put links in the show notes you can click on to find out more. Catch up on past shows and be alerted every week when a new one drops by subscribing to us in Google Play, Stitcher, Pocket Cast, TuneIn, iTunes, or wherever you like to listen. While in iTunes, take a second to rate and review the show. And if you have a friend who isn't yet listening, why not? Tell them about us. They'll thank you later. We'd love to hear from our fourth listener, so email your thoughts, suggestions, questions, ideas, or complaints on this or any other episode to podcast at genxgrownup.com. And finally, Gen X Grown Up is so much more than just this podcast. You can also find our video content on YouTube or explore our entire body of work on our website at genxgrownup.com. So that is a walk down memory lane as it relates to arcades. Yeah, I think it's an era that's gone. There's no question about that. I, this, yeah. We talked about there's, there's still, we're never going to see people standing in lines again to play something. We're never going to see that mm -hmm. that seedy kind of thing because, you know, there's far too many... Uh, too much stranger danger these days. You just George, like your parents, are not going to cut a kid loose at eight years old to go run around, right? Throwing yeah. money into machines by themselves. Now, in small ways, arcade games and the experience is preserved a bit. I mean, we go to these conventions whenever they're around, like uh, yeah. South Florida Gaming Expo and Free Play Florida. There's one coming to Jacksonville again, the Jack's Arcade Convention, and those are mm -hmm. neat. But there's just lacking some of the something. Yeah. Well, I mean, again, it's like usually you just pay to get in and you play as much as you want. Yeah. So like the budgeting is gone. The George you're talking about, the standing yeah. in line is gone. Well, and now I'm, yeah. I'm fat. 
So <laughs> it's, it doesn't feel the same. What does that have to do with it? Because I can't get as close to the arcade joystick <laughs> oh, controls. I have to stand further back from the machine. Well, you get a, you get a better perspective and now. My eyesight's not as good, so you yeah. know, I have to, you know, it's hard, hard to see Reflexes aren't there. <laughs> Here or gone, it's something that I know, at least for our part, we're never going to give up on. We're going to find a way to play and reminisce yeah. about those games. Uh, we still play them today. We play them on our YouTube channel. We play them when we're not recording for our YouTube channel. And it was something that we absolutely had to talk about on our backtrack. And I'm glad we finally did. Yeah, it was awesome, man. Uh, that's going to wrap it up for another backtrack. I am John. Mo, thanks so much for being here. Yo, man, always fun. George, sure appreciate you. Yes, sir. And fourth listener, more than anything, we appreciate you for being here. And we will talk to you next time. Bye-bye, Bye-bye everybody. See you guys. No life, no fun. Don't you know that you're a grown-up? No games, no puns. Basically, life sucks as a grown-up. This podcast is an affiliate of the GWW Radio Network. Visit Geeks Worldwide at thegww.com for news, reviews, and opinions on video games, comics, TV, cosplay, and more. Arcade machines are still yeah, around. We-, we go to uh, conventions and events all the time where they have... Goddamn phone. <laughs> How is there even a phone in this room? Why is there a phone? Who calls a landline anyway? <laughs> and it's and it's goddamn... Sp- I don't even have one here. It's at my wife's desk. Call from name unavailable. That's the best. Let's answer that right away. Stop ringing. Or just answer it and hang up. I don't even see the phone. I don't know where it is. I don't use the house phone. I couldn't tell you where it's at. Okay, it stopped. Name unavailable. Okay. Okay. Yeah, wait till they call back. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.